Sao Paulo, Brazil's economic and artistic powerhouse, a true megapolis. It's the largest city in Latin America and the fourth largest city in the world. Built on waves of immigration, it's a melting pot of cultures, viewpoints, and beats with a flourishing alternate art scene. Here, world-class street art, poetry slams, and diverse forms of popular music all push against rigid hierarchies of race, class, gender, and sexual orientation. It's the kind of place where hybrid cultural expression happens spontaneously, fusing ancient and modern, local and foreign, traditional and avant-garde. In the Western Zone, young ghetto kids spit mean rhymes in a street-side rap battle. Downtown, a sound system plays futuristic dub. On another stage, a group mixes free jazz, samba and punk energy to yield something entirely different. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Today we explore how new forms of samba, rap, reggae and afrobeat are coming together in Sao Paulo's underground music scenes, challenging social inequalities through fused musical expressions. Yes, it's Sao Paulo Mutations, hybrid musical resistance in Brazil's Alpha City. A paisagem está acesa, ela relampejou E o som do Caindé, o meu corpo levou Na ventania de Santa Bárbara Maria Santa Luzia e meu pai Xangô A paisagem está acesa e me alumiou Foi o coro das princesas que entoou no céu 
Massalian's recent single, Alumio, meaning illuminated, was recorded with Bishiga 70. The song references many Orishas, the saint of African-Brazilian candomblé. Much of Luisa's work is rooted in Santo Daime, a shamanic spiritual movement using song, dance, and a ritual consumption of a hallucinogen to promote harmony, love, truth, and justice. Wow! Well, as you can hear, Sao Paulo's complex musical culture needs unpacking. And producer David Katz traveled there to learn more, completing this program through remote interviews. Sao Paulo's vastness is staggering. Home to 12.2 million people, or 22 million in the broader municipality, it's a sprawling expanse of central high-rises and peripheral shantytowns, nestled in a rainy plateau, with a disparate music scene that reflects its diverse inhabitants. Historian Rodrigo Bonciani of the Federal University of Latin American Integration provides some crucial background context. The city was founded in 1554, by the Jesuits, and Sao Paulo is a hub in the South America. Before the arrival of Europeans, the colonists, the Jesuits came to evangelize the Indians, and so the colonial village starts like a, a mix of Indian and colonists, and they were looking for Indian slaves and precious metals. A poor outpost for 150 years, Sao Paulo became a city after gold was discovered in nearby Minas Gerais, gaining wealth through sugar and coffee production. It was an important city in colonial times already, but a real city starts on the 19th century, when coffee planters start to, to build law school, properly a city, when Avenida Paulista were made, and Sao Paulo was very influent in the politics when Republic was proclaimed. As with the rest of Brazil, the abolition of slavery had dramatic consequences for Sao Paulo. At the end of the 19th century, we have the abolition of slavery in Brazil, the last country in the world that abolished the slavery. And the immigration starts to supply the, the demand of workers. We have the Italians, Portuguese, Germans, Spaniards, Japanese, Jewish people, a lot of people. The city in 1890 had like uh, 65,000 people. In 1900, 230,000. 1920, 580,000. The languages were from different parts of the world and uh, people arrived with their culture, different ways of life. And parallel uh, of this immigration, we had all the ex-slaves, the black people that were free now. So it was a, a Babylon of people and culture, everything. At the beginning of 20th century, it was already the most important city, the economic city. Large-scale migration from the northeast of Brazil began in the 1930s. It intensified in the 50s and subsequent decades, notably impacting Sao Paulo's character. 
The city starts a new time of modernization, urbanization, and a new huge population came to the city. And now it was the migrants, uh, mostly from the northeast. And from 1950s to 1980s, the city goes from 2 million people to 8 million people. But each expansion inevitably exacerbated social problems in a dramatically unequal city. Adoniran Barbosa's Saudosa Maloca, or Homesick Shantytown, a 1951 hit for vocal group Demonios da Gahoa, or Demons of the Drizzle, describes the demolition of an illicit slum dwelling replaced by a new high rise. Journalist Otavio Rodriguez says Barbosa was renowned for lyrics depicting the city's everyday hardships. It's a very, very common story that relates to everyone here. Almost everyone has a, you know, a poor home here that now you can see a big building. São oito milhões de habitantes de todo canto e nação que se agridem cortesmente, correndo a todo vapor e amando com todo ódio, se odeiam com todo amor. São oito milhões de habitantes, aglomerada solidão. During the 60s and 70s, prominent Tropicalia artists like Gilberto Gil and Caetano Veloso made Sao Paulo their home, commenting on the city in song. Tomze's Sao Sao Paulo spoke of crowded loneliness. I love that. In a city that worked through national holidays. But the military coup of 1964 greatly curtailed free expression. Here's Rodrigo Bonciani. We usually think like the 60s and the 70s as a time of liberation, but in South America and Brazil particularly, we live the worst times between 68 till 74. The world economic crisis from 1973 starts a very, very huge movement of these mass strikes was in Sao Paulo in the automobilistic industries. We got resistance of youth, of students, university. Urban guerrilla was very important. They assault banks to organize the, the resistance of the regime. A lot of people were persecuted, lost their jobs. In newspapers, the censorship was very hard and harder with the music, the records, some parts of the records were private. Alguma coisa acontece no meu coração Que só quando cruza Ipiranga e a Avenida São João 
É que quando eu cheguei por aqui Eu nada entendi Caetano Veloso's Sampa, released in 1978, spoke to the harsh realities facing migrants from the Northeast during a time of heavy political repression. With the immigration to the city in the 60s, 70s, we have a very rich culture production, like Sampa, this symbol of this northeast man that arrives in this big city and feels like lonely and uh, it's the sentiment of being in this huge city but also the sentiment of the dictatorship like some sadness some loss that he's feeling chamei de mau gosto que vi de mau gosto mau gosto É que Narciso acha feio o que não é espelho. The Vanguarda Paulista, or Sao Paulo Vanguard, came to prominence in the early 1980s using fluid music styles, members such as Arrigo Barnabé, Mario Manga and Zé Miguel Viznik were university students of European heritage, but their uncompromising colleague Itamar Asumsao was a black man from an outlying town. He had little formal education and much of his work had strong reggae undercurrents. Here's Itamar's daughter, Annalise. My father was an independent artist. The media called him Marge now. But my father was a popular songwriter. I think it's his influence. Samba and black music from Africa and from America. Reggae, jazz, blues. And here in Brazil, batuques, batucadas. So he was a popular composer with a different way to write. It's not a visionary, just a thinker with a situation for here, for Brazil. Everyone else was talking about love, living in a tropical country. And I think he talking about the, the deeper subjects. The dictatorship's gradual end sparked an explosion of creative output. Here's Rodrigo Bonciani, 
the beginning of 80s. We have a very powerful social movement, very intense in the city. We have the hip-hop bodies in the São Bento's station. We had rock all over the places. We have punk rock. We have the funky bodies. It was a moment of liberation, of breath, after 20 years of dictatorship. In the late 70s, American soul and funk was aired at the Bailey's Black, informal street parties held by Black Brazilians. In the 80s, breakdancing events at the central Sao Bento station stimulated the local hip-hop scene and broke down race and class barriers. Rappers like Taiji and DJ Um, Posse Menchizulu, and the politically-minded Racionais MCs came to prominence, along with renowned graffiti artists Os Gemios. But Sao Paulo's hip-hop scene was about more than just music and style. As a teenager, DJ Dandan began running weekly hip-hop workshops at a community center in Giadema, a far-flung area of Greater Sao Paulo, helping hundreds of youth to expand their horizons. In my neighborhood, there was just dirt roads all over. It was a very, very rough and violent neighborhood. And when I was 13 years old was when I started to let the hip-hop come into my life. And that became to transform not only my life, but all the people were around me. We started to do these gatherings and we were ending up having like 150 kids. We would try to teach them as many things as possible so we could take them out of the streets. That's when the first hip-hop workshops in the whole Latin America began to happen. In Giadema, in the end of 1992, so the government started to realize this was drawing a lot of attention. So they asked us, what did we want? And we said, we want to have uh, specialists come in so that we can go deeper onto these type of things, such as uh, racial issues, youth sexuality, agrarian reform. But being associated with hip-hop could have negative consequences especially for black favela residents. Anyone that was associated with hip-hop, there was these exterminators that were hired. If you are a black man, you have a target on your head all the time. That's a reason enough for people to be shooting you. Like, yeah, we're trying to diminish the criminality, or we're trying to diminish drug abuse. But if you have a rave party full of people abusing drugs, they don't come there and shoot everyone. But in the black communities, they go there and they exterminate. Nevertheless, Dan Dan began organizing larger workshops in other locations and promoting popular hip-hop events. He met the rapper Criolo in 1997, and they began working together in 2005, launching the Rinha dos MCs, or MCs Battles, in 2006. 2006, we found this place called Territorio, which was that place where you keep your horses, which are three reais, three bucks, just for people to be able to attend it and to raise a minimum amount of money. So it was a party, it was a full night, but the main attraction was obviously the battle. You had eight MCs, each of them would put in one hell, one buck. And if you won the round, you would win the eight bucks. <laughs> 
tem espaço pra franga Eu vou fazendo o meu som tranquilo Fazendo o meu rap só esperando os vacilos O MC daqui até a ria as calças Vem pro Mike e o seu manda cima falsa Você deve tá bambo, precisa de um falso Se tu é verdadeiro, eu já não sei mais quem é falso Eu faço som de raiz e represento Agora tô a tua vez de mandar o talento Então a gente foi pra esse espaço Cancun We ended up in the south side in a place called Cancun, and that's when a lot of people showed up, like Emicida, Projota, Rashidi, Flora Matos, Raels, a crew with uh, Pentagono, and he and those MCs was uh, directly responsible for this new generation of big and important artists. After teaming up with producer Daniel Ganjaman, Criolo took rap in diverse directions. Head to afropop.org to hear our related podcast, Art is Freedom, a conversation with Criolo. In the late 90s and early noughties, funk, soul, and hip-hop gained greater currency. Producer Eduardo Bidlovsky, affectionately known as Bidgie, launched the project Funk Como Le Gusta in tribute to the Black Bileys of the 70s. Funk Como Le Gusta. Big band, 12-piece band doing old-school funk. I brought a lot of old cats that were from the soul funk movement from Brazil that were not in activity. Because among them, we have the funk parties, and it was a big thing, 15,000 blacks dancing in a big baile. Bidji's album Bambas Liberitas showed that Brazilian street styles continued to draw on black American form. Aricia Mess is a radio presenter and self-described Afro-shock chic singer. She also draws widely from the music of the African diaspora in her hybrid style. It's a kind of black music, but it's not American music. It's a black music from the world. And I try to translate the grooves from the Africa, from Brazil, from the black people from the world. I'm looking for a language. I don't want to stay in the same place. 
This is Guerrero, or Warrior, by Luciano Nakata Albuquerque, alias Kurumin, another of the many Sao Paulo artists crafting hybrids during the last 15 years. It's from his debut album, Achados y Perdidos, or Lost and Found, which bridged the gap between samba and hip-hop. I do my music in this very Brazilian sense of mixture, always. I think this is my studying object, mixing stuff. This way to do my own music, but uh, always bringing all the references I like to hear from all over the world. In that period, uh, early 2000, hip-hop stuff was the fresh dish. Medlib stuff, JD stuff, Trouble Call Quest, and uh, Common. So I guess this first album is, is just like catching a spice from samba and uh, another spice from hip-hop and put it together, you know? And uh, through my career, I'm changing my way to do that mixture. <laughs> Much of his work has explored the nature of Sao Paulo life. I'm trying to understand my own city. Sao Paulo is not beautiful, but it's very interesting, very curious place because we have all that different people with a lot of mixture but it's very uh, intense always in the move so I have many questions about this place what is this place you know that is so cruel for some people so sophisticated some ways as well so uh, jungle in other places it's, it's crazy Latest album Boca had electronic backing, using slang to explore the pitfalls of contemporary Brazil, with Boca Pequena a comment on endemic corruption. And I'm saying about the politician here, we don't say openly for the people uh, what they will really do. And it's hard to say what is Brazil and what is Sao Paulo right now. We have many, many layers of Brazil, you know, and we're facing the saddest or the, the worst one because we have this extreme right side on the power in the whole Brazil and here in Sao Paulo as well. I don't have good things to say about Brazil, unfortunately, but it's real. It's what we're going through. Coming up, reggae, Afrobeat, and more experimental Sao Paulo hybrids. Visit afropop.org to discover more music from Brazil's Alpha City. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Thank you. 
Uma nação ameaçada na América do Sul. This is Nassau Ameaçada, or Nation Under Threat. It's the title track of the debut CD by homegrown reggae band Afetos, formed in 1996. As drummer Bruno Buarque explains, Afetos was inspired by groups that had moved to Sao Paulo from Brazil's northeast. There was Mystical Hoots from Maranhão, and there was Nego Bantu, but changed names to Mano Bantu. These guys were a huge inspiration to us. They were trying to like get known in Sao Paulo, and so we were like building a scene. So we would play every Wednesday. There was the reggae Wednesday in the place called Radiola, Radiola São Luís, actually. And we would be taking turns. We were supporting each other, you know. Things took a different direction when the selector Fabio Murakami, alias Yellow P, began the weekly Susie and Dub event at nightclub Susie and Trance, shifting Afetos to a new form as Rockers Control and spawning significant spin-offs. Yellow P would like put like a Linton Quasi Johnson reciting a dub poem and we would play along with it and he would put like some special effects. There was no traditional song structure at all and it was very dark and you could do whatever you wanted and no one would bother you. So it became legendary quick. Bruno later opened Studio Menduca, working with prominent artists like Annalise Asumsal, Lucas Santana, Seu, and Kiko Dinucci. Guitarist Chris Gabello opened Studio Traquitana, where his band, the Shiga 70, is based. And Yellow P launched Dub Versal, or Dub Version, introducing a dub sound system to the Sao Paulo audience. I made maybe 10,000 flyers explaining dub for the people because we had to get out of the misconception of reggae in general. Because when you say reggae in Sao Paulo, in Brazil, they're thinking about the reggae, cachoeira, the hippie beach surfer vibe. So we were doing parties in downtown and we were trying to get out of this uh, surfer vibe. Unlike the pioneering sound systems of Kingston, London or New York, Dub Versal began with a middle-class bass playing in peripheral areas much later. We're not in ghetto scene or any kind of community scene because here in the ghetto more you hear it's hip hop and it's samba, pagode and then all this brega thing. But as we play in downtown, the whole concept to have equal distance from everywhere in town. It's after we start to go in the ghetto, the invitations come. But nowadays it's more a lot of a black thing very political in a good way. The selector and promoter Liz Ventura formed Fresh Dance Hall in 2010 to stage music events. She says that local reggae sound systems now perform important roles in peripheral communities. 
the sound system culture in Sao Paulo don't start in peripheral zone. It starts in central zone. So the people don't think much about uh, how helping our community. And after 2010, more crews born in the city, like Africa Mind Leão and the East Side. They make a brilliant work for the community, sharing information and helping the kids. We have Quilombo Hi-Fi and the North Zone that made events like Dance Hall and Omoho, it's like a dance hall in Favela. And the, these sessions help the people make money and made workshops too about the culture. We have Zion Gate Sound System that also make this work for our community. And we have Fire Sound na favela do Tres Coco and it's a phenomenal work because we have a session with a lot of people in the little streets so the people in favela started to make food for sale and clothes for sale and party Natividade Sistema Sonoro is a crew based in Capão Redondo a south side of the city, the biggest neighborhood and the peripheral zone. And when the sound system arrived in this zone, a lot of things change because the people don't have support from the government and the teenagers started pregnant much early. And with the sound system there, the people have more conscious about your importance in the street and the community and the, your city and have more desire for grow up and make things that the system don't sell to people that's possible. Yellow Peace says police harassment has been a long-standing issue. At the 2019 edition of Street Festival SP Nahua, police aggression got way out of hand. We had troubles before in Suzindabi. Pepper gas in the second anniversary. Then two years after, we were playing downtown in the old, old abandoned hotel. And then the police come with the rockers control again, come inside and they come with the machine guns. But the last time was the worst. We're doing SP na rua. They come and they start to throw bombs on us inside the tent where the sound were playing. And we were hired by the city council to play. And there's a bomb from the mayor come inside your place. Come on. And then, then the police come and not just bombing. They're beating the kids. 10,000 people running from police brutality. That was Loba Leoa, or Linus Wolf, by Lela Arruda, produced by the female sound crew Feminine Hi-Fi. Co-founder Dani Pimenta says that after being inspired by an old female sound system called Sound Sisters, Feminine Hi-Fi was formed in 2016 to make further space for women DJs on the Sao Paulo reggae scene. Both. 
a gente começou We started feminine hi-fi due to a discomfort that I had regarding women selecting records in those parties that didn't happen very much so there was a bit of a discrepancy and after we started we quickly began getting a lot of feedback from women all over São Paulo saying that we became a huge influence for them to start their own projects or for them to get enough courage to do things themselves Following a pregnancy, co-founder Renata Aguiar, known as Rude Sister, launched the event Mama in Dub, catering for reggae-loving mothers. She ended up developing a project called Mama in Dub, which was established to make space for women that wanted to attend the reggae thing, but could not do it without their children. The performing lineup is composed of mothers only, and the parties are held during the day in an early timetable, so that the moms can come with their children. Yo, Monkey Jai Victor Rice na seleção mundial, aquele abraço coletivo universal. É tempo de fazer amor, não é tempo de fazer guerra, right? Victor Rice, nos dê mais música para alegrar o coração dessa família bonita, porque a música tem o poder de nos unificar. Eu já sei, or I know that, by Monkey Giant, produced by the New York-born bassist and engineer Victor Rice. Victor says versatile vocalist Jayam is one of Sao Paulo's most promising reggae artists. He's really got a powerful message. He also has a work ethic that I haven't seen since some of my old buddies in New York. He appeared at the Dubverse Sound sound system. So he kind of arrived on the scene as a DJ, but he's transcending genre. He can do hip-hop, he can do raga, he can do uh, chorinho, you know, traditional Brazilian music. He's really versatile. He's got mad range. I think he's the future. Annalisa Sumsao, probably the most reggae-minded artist of Sao Paulo's avant-garde. I listen a lot of music, but yeah, I think reggae is the music that I I never get tired. I listen every day, so I don't know. I I have this influence. I'm so curious about this island and these people. This specific people who was in the small, small, small land and created a music so important to the world. And the religion and this culture is very beautiful and very important. Mm -hmm. 
posso me aprumar Tô na zica, tô vivendo numa boa E a senhora não me poupa, vem logo me atazanar After singing backup in her father's live band, Annalise had a successful career as a TV show host. Then she joined the band Donna Zika, whose debut album, Composição, or Composition, was released in 2002. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny music with a lot of influences. It's common here in Sao Paulo because in this city we have all Brazil here and all the world too. Something like New York, maybe a little smaller. And I think Dona Zica has this Sao Paulo feel so busy and a kind of pollution in the sound. A lot of instruments and thinking about how I I'd like to express myself alone. I get out and I decided to record an album solo. Rosa é uma mulher que sabe o que quer. Ela casou e no dia da festa ela foi ao cinema. Perder a sessão maldita Nem tampouco perder a chance de provocar Debut solo album Sou Suspeita, Estou Sujeita, Now Sou Santa, or I'm Suspect, I'm a Subject, I'm No Saint, established her eclectic outlook, and sophomore set, Amigos Imaginarios, evidenced a more cohesive, confident sound. Certainly is a progress in a lot of aspects. I think I was writing better and singing better and the band was more connected. This album was my open the doors for me. So Amigos Imaginarios to me is a moment that I start to separate to my father, to Dona Zica and also TV and I had courage to uh, talk in low voice. Da morte tudo se sabe, fato, fatídico, viver é inevitável, mas até que se cale, pare, congele, todo corpo vale. O prazer de ser Annalise's latest album, Taurina, benefits from the presence of Lineker, transgender singer and activist that has strongly impacted the Sao Paulo music scene. Lineker is a friend. She's very important here in Sao Paulo. She sings so good and she's 23. She knows a lot of things about music and about what she wants to do. So it's her presence in the album is history.
Before her tragic death from cancer in 2016, Annalise's sister Serena produced the album Ascensal, or Ascension, adapting traditional candomblé chants. The Christianism and the Universal Church teach people that candomblé and Umbanda are a bad way and black magic. And it was important for her help to explain the truth. And people said to me, I was afraid to listen this kind of music in my home and get bad energies. And uh, I was so ignorant, yeah, about this culture. What beautiful is this? Because it's our history. Every single people here in Brazil have this relation. And it's a wonderful album. It's important for the culture. During the 2010s, experimental trio Meta Meta always looked to the Orishas in their multifaceted work. Saxophonist Thiago França highlights Candomblé's importance. We are all believers in that particular faith, so it's something that's very present all the time. It's a culture, you know, it's a way of approaching life, so it's not just something you, you go to a place and then you go out, you know, it's, it's a very integral part of our lives. There's a lot of prejudice, you know, because it comes from black culture. Uh, today is very, very frowned upon because you have like a, a major religious group in charge of the country right now, uh, the neo-Pentecostal people, and they pretty much persecute Candomblé nowadays. They relate Eshu, which is an Orisha, with the devil, because the Neopentecostal church, they inhabit the same places that the terreiros of Candomblé, you know, which is at the, the periferias, the, the, the poor neighborhood. So they're kind of in competition, so trying to get rid of the competition. The melding of free jazz with samba and other forms was unprecedented. Lead singer Jussara Marsal says diversity and fearlessness were key. <laughs> I think it has to do with the different directions each one of us has. We have very different backgrounds and we were not afraid to mix them. Tem comida, mas não come Tem morada, 
Deixar o chão de pedra Transformada em pedra fria e cinza Following the success of second album Metal Metal, which resulted in acclaimed international tours, MM3 had a despondent feel, having been recorded during the controversial impeachment of President Dilma Rousseff in 2016. After 2013, things uh, started to get pretty weird here in Brazil, politically, and I think that density that Jussara talks about, it comes from, you know, this heavy cloud that stationed here above our heads. It got into us, it got into the record. We were not so festive anymore, we were more concerned. There was this feeling of just that we were drifting, you know, we were kind of lost, a little bit hopeless too. to Meta Meta, Bishiga 70 has been challenging the status quo through instrumental music, adapting elements of Afrobeat in a Brazilian framework. Saxophonist Coca Ferreira says the song Primera Menci, or first of all, addresses similar issues. When Dilma Rousseff, the elected president, was removed illegally from the government, and that guy that was the vice president took over, among everybody that didn't agree with what was going on, we would start everything that said, oh, primeiramente, fora temer, which means, first of all, out with this guy. And then at one point, you would just say, primeiramente, and then everybody would understand that you say, first of all, we think this guy should leave. And we did this song under this moment, the frustration of seeing the country fall apart. Kuka emphasizes Bishiga's commitment to social change. We have a political and a social message in our art. We don't use lyrics, but this music is about bringing people together. It's about celebrating collectiveness. It's about celebrating freedom uh, above all. And that's what we try to convey with the music, that we are all in the same energy, we are all vibrating together. And even before the whole pandemic thing, uh, we always believed that bringing people together was a political statement, because we live in a system that tries to push you to digital isolation more and more, to transform yourself only in a digital consumer, and that's it. So yes, we are instrumental, but we feel ourselves more related to these independent music scene that goes on in Sao Paulo with contemporary artists but rappers or singers people that maybe the musical genre is a little different but the message and the spirit behind the music I think it's the same For Kuka, Sao Paulo is challenging yet artistically invigorating You can take everything that you think you know about Brazil and ignore it because Sao Paulo is the opposite of all that It's like a 15 million urban agglomeration with uh, very little organization and the worst traffic, the worst violence, the worst pollution, the worst poverty and the worst income distribution you can think of. 
Having said that, it has become the center of creativity for Brazil. Because even with all this struggling, it's still the place that you can find some possibility of making it as an independent artist. So if you want to see new stuff coming up in any form of art, theater, music, visual arts, street art, the best in the world probably, Sao Paulo is the place to come. But come prepared because it's a nightmare. <laughs> Sao Paulo's music scene has faced specific challenges under COVID-19 due to President Bolsonaro's mishandling of the pandemic. Here's Bruno Buarque. I almost want to cry because I have stories of people that committed suicide and they have no way of providing to their family. We're losing a lot of good creative people to ordinary jobs, like extraordinary musicians driving Uber, delivering iFood. There's a term called Sista Basica, which like rice, beans, uh, some cans of, you know, a lot of people in the music industry signing up for that and with making like uh, crowd funds to buy that and distribute to musicians and artists and crew. But I'm an optimist. I still believe that the best part of Brazil is the people. I know that our people is the best part of our country. <laughs> Eu boto fé na tia que tá trabalhando 12 horas, faxinando 3 horas na produção. Eu boto fé na menina de 13 anos, medicina tá sonhando, mas tem que cuidar do irmão. Eu boto fé na tia que tá trabalhando 12 horas, faxinando 3 horas na condução. Você bota fé. Bia Ferreira's Boto Fe, or I Put Faith, attacks religious dogma from a black queer perspective. She's part of a new generation of Sao Paulo-based artists challenging Brazil's inequalities, as Cuca Ferreira emphasizes in this optimistic last word. In these 10 years, one of the very few things that actually changed in Brazil or maybe in the world is the respect for diversity or the, not only respect, but the, the search for diversity and the search for more equality in terms of race, gender and all that. That's something that uh, I feel, I see my children, how they think already better than me in this subject. There is this girl, her name is Kimani. She comes from the slam, which is not rap, and it's not spoken word, something in between, that has been growing a lot in the outskirts of Sao Paulo, and, and we, we are working with her, try to, to put together maybe an album. Not only her, but you have Bia Ferreira, other artists that will, will represent this new way of seeing the world better than we can. Thank you, David, for taking us behind the scenes in a fascinating musical city. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. And PRX affiliates stations around the U.S. And now, more than ever, thank you for supporting your public radio station. Thanks to Bruno Buarque for his essential translation and logistical assistance. Also to Riolo and Chris Scabello in Sao Paulo. Also to Lara Fernandes and Gabriela Vigigal for additional translation. And Paul Lewis for help 
with engineering. Visit afropop.org for more information on Sao Paulo's music scene and to sample our growing collection of quarantunes, live concerts you can enjoy from the comfort of home. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by David Katz. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Zubin Hansler and recorded at the Syncopated Lair Studio by GC. Manning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Ben Richmond, and I'm Georges Collinet. PRX.